Hey everyone, welcome to episode 261 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, minus the Andy and the Jeff, and soon to be changed to something new, but Randy and David. Speaking, of course, of David Banks, a longtime Whole Life Church member who was preaching this past week and wrapping up our summer series on transitions and navigating change. And his topic was belief in an unchanging God. And immediately I thought to myself, well, once I knew it was David Banks, I knew I was in over my head. And then belief in an unchanging God, I thought we're in big, big trouble. And before we get started, uh, David and I, though I don't know him very well, I know this, that we have a love of podcasts. That is something that we share. And he did mention Malcolm Gladwell in his message. And so before we started, I just want to take the opportunity. Anytime I get someone on that I know loves podcasts, what are you listening to right now that you might be able to share that we could all enjoy picking up a new podcast for our feed? Well, it's it's always a little tricky to know if it's new. It's new to me versus it may not be <laughs> new to, to everyone else because I just don't know exa- exactly where everyone is listening. Sure. So – there's two that I, I find myself kind of repeatedly going back to, and one is really nerdy. I'm just going to tell you, it's called In Our Time. Okay. It is a um, it's put out by the BBC, and it it is a very uh, Melvin Bragg is the host, and it is something your your grandparents would love. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> um, they they tackle some they really unpack some very significant things in human history, and so that's one I, I'm just always Ooh, drawn to. I like history, and um, and then I just picked up Code Switch. Code Switch, I've heard of that. What what uh, tell so, us about it? So Code Switch is uh, NPR. Uh, it's an NPR podcast that deals with culture and race. Culture and race, and Ooh. so it's challenging. It's um, you know I'm not an aficionado of that topic. But I really like how they put that one together. And it's uh, it's personally challenging. I try to listen to things that are challenging. Yeah. Like, I didn't think of it that way, or I don't know. I don't even know if I agree with all of it, but I, I like being pushed on hearing different thought patterns. Nice. I like that. Well, there's two you can add. I'm going to just give one that I gave this recommendation to someone a while back, and I heard back from them about two weeks ago, and they said, I, for the first time, listened to this podcast. It's called Everything is Alive. And there there is a host, and I can't think of his name. I think it's Josh, but I could be wrong. Don't hold me to that. But basically, he interviews inanimate objects like a bus seat. He interviews a paper towel (laughs) dispenser. Uh, Soap is a good episode, you know, a little more risque if you think about it. Um, But it's it's just for those lighthearted times when you just think to yourself, I can't do any more heavy right now. I can't do history. I can't do race relations. But, you know, I can do this. That's one favorite. And then the one that I can never put down, I've listened to every episode in all 10 seasons. It's called Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff. And it, it seeks to exonerate through a crowdsourced investigation of cold cases to exonerate people out of prison and wrongfully convicted. And it explores all the problems with our justice system by the way of these investigations and the trouble that is so prevalent across our justice system. And it's one that has totally changed my mind on how I think the the justice system works and that it is severely broken. So those are two for me. All right, but enough of that. Let's get back to the project at hand. And this week, you know, your description, David, of of the compound and your upbringing, they sounded so ideal. 
And in so many, and I've heard your story before. And I, part of me was, is always a little jealous because I had very similar upbringing and experiences, but with wildly different results. I was raised Adventist. I went to an Adventist church school, grades one through 10, just like you. I went to an Adventist boarding school two and a half hours away, pretty similar to you. All right. Okay. And, And while looking back, the best thing I can say for all of it is I made some amazing friends, like you mentioned, that I hold to this day. We can have a Facebook chat. We can have a text conversation. And if we get together, look out, nobody's going to bed because there's too many stories to tell. But for the rest of it, honestly, I would throw most of it in the dumpster and just burn it. Interesting. And just try to forget it. And I know so many people like myself that there was so much pain and trauma that went along with it. And if you were like me, you were actually kicked out of that compound because (laughs) of visible sins. You know, it was – if you were if you were someone who gossiped, well, yeah, but that's you know that's just trying to help the flock. You know, we need to help. Right, the, you know, right. and we're investigating our things. And but for someone who had a drinking problem and a smoking problem and a messy divorce and you know all these things, where the pastor actually comes to you and says, you know, we just can't have you in church anymore. <laughs> and so as I listened, and I was like, man, that that just that feels so Americana, or at least a Christian Americana. How do we how do we help those people that maybe have a little of my story wrapped in there, and and try to heal the past and find the Jesus that you spoke of and that you know and that you know I, I've come back to know that Jesus, as you mentioned, Jesus included people that the church had written off during his ministry. How do we really help those people who may have listened and said, man? That was not my. That was not the yeah. way my story went. Well, you know, I think two things for me. One was, um, for whatever reason, and I shared the story of my good friend, elementary school friend, whose dad couldn't be baptized because he was a smoker. Yep. And that, um, from the, I don't know, that just created a little opening for me that I thought, okay, I, I really like how I'm growing up. I love my time at. I went to Monterey Bay Academy. I loved boarding school and I wasn't a troublemaker kid. I didn't, I really kind of went along with the program. So that was, you know, I, it, I got a lot of positive feedback and I realized for me being a, a bigger fish in a very little pond actually worked pretty well for me. Yeah. But probably more importantly, <clears throat> something happened early on where I realized, okay, there's some arbitrariness in this. And there was kind of a break in my mind of, I realize we're living by a lot of kind of rules and a very specific culture, and I realize it's probably not absolute. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of went along when I was there, but I never really ingested too much of the um, internalized um, kind of legalism that um, you're talking about. You know, one story I didn't share is there we did have um, people disfellowship during my elementary days. One of my friend's dad's parents got divorced. Dad had the church kick him out. Yeah. And um, I remember going to a church meeting, and even as a kid thinking, I was probably in Seventh Day by then, it's like, this is so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> and because the guy even got up in the meeting and said, look, I know I've made mistakes. You can kick me out. I'm still coming back. I'm, I'm, and the guy from the front of the room who happened to be my family dentist was like, it's fine. We'll welcome you in. You just can't be on the books. And I, and I remember thinking, okay, so there's something else going on here that you, we're part of a group, but this isn't the totality of everything. There's something else that's broader than this narrow context. Yeah. 
Um, and I kind of, for whatever reason, I just had that perspective. And then, as I mentioned, once I got into, it was really during my student mission year, where after 14 years of this education, I'm a student missionary, and someone asked me, well, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I'm getting ready to take the Bible class. I'm like, yeah, I have no idea. I, I couldn't explain it. And I realized, okay, cultural Adventist, I know everything in, inside not the culture, but one who's raised in it, but I didn't have this theology. And that's for me where Graham Maxwell, I, I had some Graham Maxwell information and his can God be trusted sort of theology. And that's it's like, okay, part of a group, theology is bigger than my group. I, I can I can reconcile with all this. Yeah. Have you ever felt like there's been any pushback to you personally or any that you've experienced? Because that idea isn't necessarily in the compound, isn't always you know looked upon as something they would encourage, you know, where, oh, right. where you would move away from that. Have you ever felt like maybe you were the, maybe not in high school or but later on, you've ever felt like, because I hold this position or not everything is an absolute and you know, there's there's room to grow, and I might have a different opinion. Have you ever felt any pushback that way? Yeah, absolutely. You, and, and again, being part of the work I'm with, the hospital is the hospital system is never as conservative as the church, right? And that's probably why I picked to work in that uh, versus <laughs> another way. Sure, because I I knew early on I was never going to be a model Adventist member, and fortunately, I also realized that. That is not synonymous with salvation. Right. That right. You can perfect your Adventist membership like you can in any group with your observances and rituals. And I realize that some of those are just additional things that don't relate. And it's hard to say this, but they just don't relate to what core salvation is about. So I had someone after the sermon come up and ask me and said, "Okay, well, what do you now think about the investigative judgment?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, I think it's." Um, when we were a group that are a group that struggles with its identity and its and its right to belong, it's easy to cling to the unusual parts of what your faith system has. And investigative judgment would definitely fit in that. For me, I think it's an important idea. I think it's an important truth. It's not the most important thing to me. Right. And so yeah, that gets you in trouble. I mean yeah. when when the truth is built around their Daniel and Revelation charts and this investigative judgment in 1844, you're like, yeah, that's interesting. But the cross is really more primary. That does not make you a great Adventist in some people's minds. Sure, sure. No, I, I agree. I, I think that growing up, again, many of the same expectations that most of us know about growing up Adventist were never things that it always, I don't know, it just always seemed odd to me that we have John 3.16, which everybody knows, even as kids, you you kind of understand yeah. that, and you, and you work off of the belief, and you see the thief on the cross, and of course we have to take that into punctuation and all of this, and, you know, and but you, you see that Jesus' words, he never parses words, he's always straight and direct, and when you are told that what you know to be true, because that's just an equal truth to the investigative judgment or anything else, and when it seems like those are put higher than Jesus, and even early on, that's how I felt, and I felt like, yeah. 
you know, we were we were drawing sides. And if you were on this side, I don't know if I would have termed it as you were more liberal than conservative or it just seemed like you were on the dark team and just teetering on the edge and, you know, worrying about whether or not you're whatever sin would scared you the most, you know, did I, did I ask for forgiveness before I went to bed? Cause I know if I don't, and Jesus comes tomorrow or during the night before I wake up and have a chance to do it again, then I'm going to hell. And, and, you know, you, you realize that that's really not a net that's going to catch a lot of fish with love, is it? <laughs> it, it, just, Absolutely. it just doesn't. Well, and one thing I wanted to ask you was just for yourself personally, because I think the balance that you've seen where, you know, you were able to survive and thrive maybe in the more conservative compound, but then you were, you know, you've had spots to realize where, yeah, I'm not going to be a model Adventist because I can think for myself. And, you know, God has a little something different for each of us as we have our own personal ministries. Where does the line or when does it change for you when you kind of line things up with liturgy, culture? history, doctrine, all these things. And how do you personally kind of process that, that you can move past it? How do you weigh those importance versus just getting caught in the perpetual, well, this is what I was taught. And, you know, there's probably maybe really good truth there, but this also is on the other side. How do you personally process those? Because I think a lot of us get jammed up in the, oof, it's hard to break away and even a even give that a little thought, let alone actually break away sometimes? That's a great question. You know, for me, um, like I said, I'm, we all have to be from somewhere. Yeah. And I love where I'm, and I love where I'm from, right? We all need a context. We need an on-ramp in some way. Yep. And I'm also okay. I'm also okay realizing there's just certain now patterns, behaviors, rituals I was raised with that I'm very comfortable with, but I actually don't elevate those things to, the level of um, sort of uh, liturgy. They're just kind of cultural things to me, and I've just learned not to place significance on those from a judgment standpoint as if, since I'm doing these things, I'm somehow <laughs> ahead of or somehow elevated. It's, it's, it's just an observance pattern that's comfortable based on how I've been raised. And I've just really tried to stay away from comparisons or... And I know with my own kids, it's like, you got to find your own way. You, yeah. you, there's definitely a foundation of truth. And you have, you have to make peace with your past. And you have to find that truth in a way that allows you to integrate it in your life, where it's generative and productive. Yeah. Um, to me, when it, when it becomes heavy and it becomes observance, where it's just, it's like a burden, uh, you know, it's... I remember Janice and I, early in our marriage, but some of the worst mornings in our house was Sabbath morning to get out to church. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're trying to get together and get the clothes right. And, get that, 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 that. and you just realize, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And so it's like, you know, we, we, we need a case and a way of observing. And um, I, so I've just, I've just tried to find those, those grounds and just realize I'm not going to. And I have some very conservative friends. And I, we just have to agree to disagree around certain certain observances and certain patterns because um, they're not the most important things. Um, I love that, though, because that really speaks to me in a way that we all have to get along, depending on whether we raise a different level of importance for this issue or that issue. And that's going to fly in some way in direct opposition to 
like you said, friends that we hold dear. And I think part of it for me in the compound that I grew up in was it was an us and them mentality so hard. It was just, you you can't because this is truth. And if you are bending the truth and, you know, you're already on the watered down grace slide, the next stop is hell. I mean, you're going to go through other trials and tribulations, but you just, you can't be on that road and still call yourself a Christian. And for me, that was, that was tough to get through. And I know that there's people I have friends from long ago that I know tune in from time to time on the podcast or they'll send me messages and they'll say, you know, well, first off, wow, you're alive. Number two, I can't believe you're not an alcoholic anymore. Number three, and you're a Christian. And then four, geez, and you're still an Adventist? Like, I don't know. (laughs) That is so odd from people that I grew up with because most people that are still Christian have lost or have, you know, just put away any of the doctrinal teachings from the church, and they have found another faith community. And that for me initially was very hard because of the way I was raised. And yet when now when you start to look at it and say, and, I, and I'll tell you, the have you ever heard of BSF Bible Study Fellowship? Oh, yeah, yeah. My Janice, Janice has done 10 years of BSF. Over, over wow. Yeah. Okay. He's done it for years. And we'll, When we first moved here, we did BSF. Heather did it, and I did it through the recommendation of my aunt and uncle. And, you know, it's all denominations. You're not supposed to tell anyone, you know, what your denomination is. And for the first time, I was placed in a church setting where I was the minority. Nobody believed exactly like me. And yet the things that you would hear from them were so godly and so emotionally intact to Jesus like my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with Jesus. And it really made me realize, and and there's, I mean, people would say it, but there's no way to do or understand until you've experienced it for yourself that, man, there's no way these people were not going to be saved just because of a belief system or because they're not Adventist. And that was so prevalent growing up. And that really opened my eyes, and that has changed who I've been as a as a Christian and as a person since. And I think it's something that everyone needs to try to break outside and 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 not be in that bubble. Compound's great, but eventually we have to break the bubble and realize that other people are love God just as much as we do. Well, and you know, I'm, I absolutely agree with what you're saying because <clears throat> coming, you know, when I left the bubble, if you will. As you merge out into, you know, I went to graduate school at University of Maryland, and a couple of things were very obvious to me. One is I was much better prepared coming out of our Adams schools than I assumed I would be. So it's like, hey, our schools work pretty well. Yeah. The other is I was completely ill-prepared to deal with a broader culture and society in terms of the diversity of thought and I'm not easily thrown off, so I was kind of up for the open architecture of what. I, but I was I experienced all sorts of things, including my first year uh, in rotation in, in, in social work school as I worked, and this would have been 1988 in an AIDS clinic. And so it it put me right into the middle of a subgroup that I had very little experience with around a very challenged and charged issue of which, you know, those are the Jerry Falwell days where he's saying, you know, you have AIDS because God hates you. And it it was like, okay, I don't really, I can't really be from that. So so how am I going to reconcile the Jesus you see in the New Testament that is antithetical to God hates you, that's why you're dying, to 
this notion. I've got to reconcile this somehow because I, I realized I came from too narrow. I, I had a helpful kind of grounded upbringing, but it was too narrow. And sure. I realized, okay, there's got to be more to be able to integrate this picture because what I'm seeing out of, and I think it's just continued not to be political, but when you look at the evangelical movement now, you look at the church's history on race relations, you look at the church's history on the treatment of any sub-community. It's yeah. usually not great. It's usually not great. And so it's like, okay, what do, what do these words mean? When Jesus says, you're all my children, and Jesus says, I don't delight in the destruction of anybody, when, as I talk in the sermon, Jesus is like, I'll break whatever of my own rules I need to if it means I can get, if I can extend. And if on the cross, you bet, you're in. And it's yeah. not, a, and, and I reject the cheap grace notion completely. It's, it's, it's a parent and it's a fatherly relationship that is saying, you all have such dramatic needs. Even those of you who are judging other people, you are in desperate need of what I have to offer. And you're fooling yourself if you think you're, Behaviors, your rituals, your structures, and they're all helpful. No, which is, right. I think, it's, I think it's Matthew five twenty five. Your best efforts are filthy rags. It's filthy rags. Yep, you're right. So, so it's like, okay, so we all have the same need. Can we just level set and just take a step back and say, wait a minute, we all need this coming out of <laughs> Calvary at the same rate, the same level, and no one's actually ahead of anyone else, regardless yeah. of where you think you are. No, I so, think you're. Which I is, think you're right. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and that's just very hard for a group. Like we are, <laughs> that really has built its identity on knowing the answer, and we're fleeing when when things go bad. <laughs> like we're somehow, you know, the group that gets called out because we're. And I, I do believe we have some really. I love the sound. I love some of the things that we have that other people don't that we can share. Sure, it doesn't move us up the line. It's not no. like we're somehow safer to say. And it certainly doesn't move us off of the line when we don't share it in love. <laughs> I'll just, uh, I'll go there too. No, all you have to do is read through the New Testament when, when you know, Jesus is at his angriest with the church leaders who are misrepresenting the character of his father. When he tells them, you are of your father, the devil. He doesn't say that to anybody. You know, the prostitute, the tax all whoever, anybody, the, the demon possessed, he doesn't even call them <laughs> it's the church leaders who are intentionally dis- misrepresenting the character of God Oof. as anything but other than loving and accepting. And it's like that mischaracterization, that's where the anger comes out. I think yeah. you see in Christ's ministry. Absolutely. Yeah, you're you're 100% correct. And I think that says a lot about, you know, just when we... I mean, I don't want to say that it's added pressure because we're never going to get it completely right. But, you know, when you talk about Jesus, it's always mindful of the fact that the parts that he gives you to make you a better person, a happy person, the fulfillment, the love, the care, everything you feel about him as a friend, those are the things that I try to always when I'm talking to someone about Jesus or talking to someone about prayer or to bring those things to a forefront, because I think in the end, those are, those are really what Jesus values is the love and to love each other. And, and if you miss that part, it just, it, to me, it falls on just dead ears because what's the point? Everybody has a, has a idea. Everybody has a, something in that they interpret in the Bible differently. Yes. But if you can, if you can constantly land on that, I think people I think it's it's also it doesn't happen that often. So I think people are surprised when it does. And when you keep coming back to it, why do you keep talking about this? Why do you keep saying 
uh, talking about love and why do you keep talking about Jesus that way? Because if that's not who it is, then maybe you're just not getting the whole picture of and how protective, like you said, like you just described, that Jesus is of it as well. And, you know, we did uh, at the loop this week, we did icebreaker questions and the answers were very heartwarming to me that people said, I no longer believe that everyone's constantly judging me. I no longer believe that I'm saved by my performance. I no longer believe that it is to see is to believe because there's more to believe in things unseen and hope for. I no longer believe that God does bad things to you to teach you a lesson or punish you. I mean, that that to me says that at least the people that were tuned in this week to the loop at Whole Life Church are getting the message. And I think that's good because if they're if they're putting that message and perpetuating it, there's a lot of hope for all of us who maybe didn't have the best initial meeting or the best learning process to meet Christ and find out the Christ that you talked about this week. And you ended near the end of your message, and you said it more than once, but the primacy of Jesus. I know we're running out of time here, but I, I want you to just unpack that primacy of Jesus for us in, from your from your perspective. Well, um, it's, um, it's just, it's at the heart of what it is. At the end of the day, I need a Savior. And it's only in my acceptance of that Savior are things going to be put back together. And so there's no amount of observance, ritual, anything else, if it's misplaced, mis, mis, you know, misordered, will matter. And it all just emanates, it starts there, it's what strengthens, and it's what finishes the race, is um, Jesus at the center. Um, there's never a time where it's like the training wheels come off. And I know Paul says, mature your faith and grow. But even that maturing and growing is, you just look at the journey of the disciples. They go from kind of this, we got it. I want to sit on your left and right. I figured this out to Jesus. I would die for you. I would die for what we're trying to do here. And to me, that's this, that arc of, of settling into the, the faith of Jesus. Because if you truly believe that, there's really nowhere else to go. There's nothing you're going to add to it. Yeah, it's it. All I'm going to do is come back every day and say, you know what? I still have faith. I still believe in creating me a new heart, and out of that will come some amazing things, right? And so yeah. out of that, but it all starts there, and there's never a time you're away from that. In, in my from my perspective. No, that's true. Man, that's so good. That's so good. As we wrap it up, David said at the end of his message, he said, in the end, I want to be known as someone that Jesus knows. Of course, referencing, oh boy, this text just, I didn't write it down and I had it in my head and it just, it just escaped me. But, you know, you've I, I knew you not. And right. we don't want to be that person that Jesus knows. And I just thought to myself, in the end, I want to be known as someone that Jesus knows. And when you talk about the primacy of Jesus, that really should be, I mean, those two, of course, are synonymous. So if we keep that in mind, we should at least have something to constantly lean on and make life the best that it can be and hopefully engage others to find that same comfort that we have. All right. David, I'm not going to keep you anymore. I know you are a busy man. You've got things to do. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to talk with me and, and, uh, and to talk with us here at the podcast. And unfortunately you were the last, you were it. I mean, we saved the best for last, but we wrapped it up. And (laughs) honestly, we had a Chad and Joe and a Donna 
And I mean, it was a great message series all the way across the board. So if you've missed any of those messages, please go back. David used some of those messages in his message, wrapping up and realizing that there's so much in common. It just shows that we all are on the same path. And so if you missed any of these, I'll say it one last time for this year. It's my favorite message series every single year. And this year did not disappoint. So if you're catching this and you haven't heard any of those messages, if you're a podcast person like us, all you have to do is swipe up in today's show notes and you will find a link directly to Speaking of Grace, which comes out every Tuesday evening around 8 p.m. And that is the message from the previous week. I would always listen to that before you come to this show, because we are, of course, talking about that message. So that's going to do it for this week. Thanks again, David, for being a part and coming on. And we'll see you next weekend for episode 262. Have a great week. You bet, Randy. Thank you, my friend. All right. All right. Thank you.